Hey, welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. If you feel stuck, restless, overwhelmed, or dissatisfied with your current life, despite your life looking pretty good on paper, or at least on social media, I can totally relate. Together, we'll figure out how to take the next right step. I'll interview women who are a little farther along on the path and get tips and ideas from them. I definitely don't have it figured out, so I'll share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Let's get started because life is too short to waste in autopilot. If you want to be the best possible version of you, you're in the right place. Yay! Happy birthday! I'm so excited. It's not my birthday, but it's the podcast birthday next week. So I'm doing a special episode. It's a Q&A episode where you can ask questions and I'll answer them. So think of all the questions you've wanted to know. Maybe it's about podcasting. Maybe it's about coaching. Maybe it's about like my finances or how in the world I'm cutting way back. So send me your questions. You can DM me at Coach Hope Cook, or you can send me an old-fashioned email at hope.cook at gmail.com. Hello, y'all. Today I have Meg Letty. Meg is another PA, and Meg has a podcast of her own. So welcome, Meg. Thank you. Thank you, Hope. Thank you for having me. Yes. And y'all, even if you're not in healthcare, I want you to check out Meg's podcast. It's called Um, Burnout, What I've Learned So Far with Meg Letty. And so even if you're not burned out, you should still listen to it because she gives amazing little quick tips. So if you find yourself stressed, listen to it. And I'll mention that again at the end and in the show notes, I'll link it. And I have to say that it's really for anybody that's busy, that feels like they Mm -hmm. don't have time to breathe, you can put these little things in place. Like that's the biggest thing that I felt like when I was burned out, people were telling me to do these big things. And I was like, I don't have time to breathe. Yes. No, that's so true. When you're drowning, you can't, you know, you can't take instructions from somebody on the side of the pool telling you how to do strokes and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. You just need somebody to say, take a big gulp of air. Yes, That's it. All right. So So I want to talk about your journey and how you went from totally burned out CT surgery, cardiothoracic surgery, physician assistant to PA who's able to do a podcast about burnout. Yeah, that was, and it's been, it's been like four or five years now. So it's, it's not like the overnight thing that it happens. It's, it happens over time, but there were some big shifts that I had to make. Definitely. So back when you were, let's see, your kids are about my kids' ages. So your kids were pretty little when you were working in mm-hmm. CT surgery, right? Yeah. Or did you do that I, straight I, out of school? No, I started when Ellie, I, th- I think Ellie was like under a year and mm-hmm. she's now 12. And that's when I started. And Emma was, yeah, I think Emma was like 18 months old and Ellie was like under a year and I started nice. CT surgery. Yeah. That's like the worst field the of worst. medicine I can think of for a new mom. What were you thinking? I was thinking I needed more money to send both kids oh, to daycare. Gotcha. Cause I didn't know how else I was going to do it. We we're a two income family. I was paying off my student loans and basically I needed 
extra money to put Ellie in daycare. Wow. And now looking back, I mean, it's, it's easy in hindsight to be like, you know what, that was stressful and we would have been fine if I'd taken a job in a different field that paid less if we, but. Well, and part of it was when I was in PA school, I loved heart surgery. I mean, I still have a place in my heart for heart surgery. It just, it is the most beautiful. I mean, you stop and restart the heart. I mean, it is. That kind of freaks me out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's right there. And, and it is, it's beautiful, um, but it's really hard. It's really hard. So you loved it. I did. I did. There was just a big part of me that loved it. And it's hard when you do all this work because I'm wondering, you know, I think a lot of it was mentally challenging, which I like, I like a mental challenge. It was always, you know, you were always trying to figure out what was going on with the patient, how to help them, which was really good. But then some of it, I think was ego, you know, yeah. it was, you know, top of my game, every doctor would pick up my phone call. You know I mean? It was, Mm -hmm. there was a little bit of ego there, um, which I definitely had to like dig into. (laughs) But sometimes when you're a mom, especially with little kids who can't, they're not giving you anything back necessarily except slobbery kisses, but you need that affirmation outside of your home or I don't know, at least I do. I, I tell my husband that patients fill my bucket up a lot of times with their, thank yous and their, you know, words of affirmation. I think for me, it was, I remember wanting to go back to work on Mondays because I was so drained. It was just, I felt like at work. So if you go into the operating room, Mm -hmm. you can concentrate on one thing, the thing in front of you. And it, and even if there's pages coming in or calls coming in, somebody else is handling it. Mm -hmm. So you're just focusing on the task in, in front of you. And when I was home, it was like, it was like, mom, 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 Mm -hmm. mom, mom. They're hanging off your legs. They need things. They like, and every time you try to do something like fold a piece of laundry, it's like, oh no, somebody just fell or, oh no, somebody needs a snack or, oh no. And so I think for me, it was, it was almost like a mental break. I could just go and do one thing. Yeah. I could just go and be in the operating room. And I was like, oh, I can breathe. Like, you know, so yeah, there was a lot of facets to it. Yeah. And then, you know, so we, we find this job that's sort of a welcome relief and we throw ourselves into it. And then at what point did you start feeling a little burned out? Um, that's a great question. So I think I was, so I think I was a little bit burnt out in Florida and Florida was, um, I was in a private practice CT surgery group, which meant I was working like 15 hours a day. Every other weekend I was on call. It was a lot. Um, how long ago was that? That was, Ellie was, I mean, it must've been 20, 2010 or 11 to 2014. No, it must've been 2010 to 2014. Cause I, it was like, I like worked for them for about four and a half years. And then we moved here in 2014. So you were starting to feel burned out there. Yeah. And then I moved here thinking, okay, I'm going to come to a big medical facility and not be so burnt out. Yeah. And it was funny because it just, it comes with you. You think Mm -hmm. you can shift it or change it and shape shift and get a different job, but it, and then I, I really hit my hardest, um, 2018, maybe, maybe it was 2018. Yeah. 2017, 2018. Yeah. Right in there where I just hit rock bottom. (laughs) What were some signs that you'd hit? Did you realize like, oh crap, I am like in a bad space. I, (laughs) so 
so my rock bottom point was crying in a bathroom stall. Yeah. At work. It's always a bathroom. <laughs> it's always a bathroom. And I was just a blubbering fool. And I remember a doctor came in and I was like, I just can't be a blubbering fool coming out of the stall. And so I like wiped my tears, but I just remember thinking there has to be a better way. And the reason I broke down was because my poor daughter, the day before I picked her up from camp, it was summer and I had picked her up from camp and she was just bawling. And I was oh. like, Emma, what's wrong? And she's like, she's like, she had gotten chigger bites. I don't know if you know what those are, yeah. but they're awful. And she was like, they were so bad today, mom, blah, blah. And I was like, why didn't you call me? And she goes, cause I can't call you at work. Oh. I know I can't call you at work. And th- this poor child suffered through her entire day thinking she could not yeah. get in touch with her mother at work. And I just, that broke my heart in no. half. And the next day I was in that bathroom, just, just bawling. And I was like, I can't this, I was like, there has to be a better way. And I literally, that bathroom was right across from like a head person in the surgery department. Yeah. And I walked right into her office and said, I'm like, I'm either leaving this like institution or I'm finding another job at this institution. Like it's your choice, you know, like whether you keep me here or not. And they wanted to keep me. So you had not talked to your husband about this. (laughs) This was not like a thing y'all talked about at home. You just had this break breakdown moment. He, I mean, I think he had recognized I was burnt out and I think he, I mean, we had made, had discussions, like he was just like change, do whatever, you know I mean? He's always been very supportive, but so I think during the breakdown, it wasn't a matter of, I mean, I I knew I was going to have a job. It wasn't like, I wasn't going to have a job, but I just, I I just, it it was literally that moment where I was like, there has, there has to be a better way. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And when you were driving home that day, were you like, oh crap, what have I done? Or were you like, no, this was meant to be, it had to happen. Well, I knew it wasn't going to happen fast. Like nothing happens fast at, you know, like big institutions. So it was, you know, something where it was like, I'm going to have to, they, they, when I talked to her, she was like, we have some jobs coming open in the next few months. You know what I mean? It wasn't going to be like a, you know, a a snap your fingers type of thing. So, and it was like six to eight months before Ah. I found something that fit, but I just, that was the moment that I was like, I am not doing this anymore. I'm not going to do this. And then what was funny about it was when I changed and I took a wellness ambassador course, that's when it hit me. I had gone through the worst, like, like they put up this one slide and it was like, burnout is associated with car accidents. I was like, Oh yeah, I had a car accident during that time. And it's, (laughs) and it's, and it's associated with personal injury. And I was like, Oh yeah, I fell down the stairs and tore up my ankle. Like, and was like in a boot for a while. And it was associated with, um, like, you know, like not having, uh, or having poor relationships. And like my husband and I were not in a great place. Yeah. My kids like weren't, and I were not in a great place. Um, I didn't have any friends because mm-hmm. you don't feel like you have time for friends. No, I mean, I, the thing is you just don't realize it. Like I no, didn't realize it till after. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was awful. It was awful. Yeah. It's one of those things in being sort of a, a PA in this field, I bet you were sort of a high burner. And did you see it as a sign of weakness? Like before it actually happened to you, like people who get burned out are kind of wusses or. Oh yeah. Especially. So not only was it reinforced in medicine, but the way I was raised was Mm -hmm. like, 
you don't sit down to rest, you don't take naps, you, you know, you work your butt off, you know, don't be lazy. I mean, those were all things that were Mm -hmm. very reinforced as a child for me. And so, and then they, again, were reinforced in, you know, training and school and, you know, in these fields and yeah, it's, it, it shakes you to your core. Cause you're like, and are people just going to think I'm weak, you know, yeah. that, I can't, that I can't do it. I'm not, you know, there's a lot of shame that goes around it. Yeah. How did your kids react? Did they understand what was going on that you'd kind of seen that there was a problem and did you ever have a talk with them? So I've had multiple talks with them over the past few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really come out. I mean, they, I think they definitely saw the shift when I changed jobs. And then I've talked to them multiple times about, you know, I think they've realized I talk to them differently now. And we sit down and talk about things. We don't yell. I mean, not that I don't ever yell, but I mean, there's been a big shift in, in how we communicate and, and a lot more, I'm sorry, is coming from me uh-huh. because I don't think they ever heard that before. And yeah. Um, I often will admit I am wrong. I, I didn't handle that properly. I'm working on myself. Like, and I often admit that to them. I'm like, I'm trying hard guys. Like I'm trying to break a lot of this stuff. And, um, I think they see it too, when my parents come down or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, you know, these are the things that I picked up from my parents and I'm trying to break that. And so, um, and then that, you know, they'll ask me questions like, well, well, what would, you know, Grammy yes. do when, and, and I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, they would not, they would have not handled it this way. They would have handled it totally differently. So, um, we've had a lot of conversations around it, um, because they definitely, I mean, words hurt. I mean, Emma remembers some things that I said to her and it was, you know, it was not good. Yeah. And, you know, we think burnout is just, if we can just, is that we're doing it to ourselves. Like if I can just power through, this is only damaging me. And as long as I can put up with it, it's going to be okay. I can do this for another six months or one of my friends is burned out. And she's like, I've got two years until I'm vested. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, it's not just you. It really is bleeding over. It's affecting our kids. It's affecting our spouses, everything, everything. And it will eventually bring you to your knees. I mean, and what's funny is, you know, so like here I am, it brought me to my knees. I had, you know, reflux so bad. They had to do an EGD on me. Right. So I get an EGD and they had, and I had yeast in my esophagus and the guy comes in and he's like, are you immunosuppressed? Like, do you have HIV? Mm. And I was like, no. And he, and he was like, I've never seen this at a big medical institution, academic setting. He goes, I've never seen this in an immune competent person. That's how taxed my immune system was. And you know what I said to him? Give me the medicine so I can go back to work tomorrow. Like give me the Diflucan so I can go back to work tomorrow. It didn't even hit me that I had, my immune system was so wrecked from Uh stress that I couldn't fight yeast off in my esophagus. Yes. And that's one thing I'm learning in this course I'm taking is your body is a compass and it will point, you can look at it and it's like a little, you know, compass dial thing pointing towards what your body, what your, yourself needs. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, it shows up in dermatology all the time with psoriasis and eczema yeah. and all these things. Yep. So that's, that's the thing that in hindsight, looking back, it's so easy to see. Mm-hmm. And so I could see all my weird rashes, right. And all of the weird things that <laughs> yeah. I had. 
and you're just out and you know, nobody has an explanation for you. Like, this is weird. Right. And they like give you something for it and it goes away. And then you're like, that's weird, but whatever. You just but want it looking fixed. back. Right. <laughs> just like, I got to get back to work. So give me something. Yeah. Yeah. But looking back, you were saying you can see like the cortisol, the. Absolutely. You can absolutely see the progression of it and how, I mean, there were signs, there were definite signs that were like almost hitting me in the face and I just ignore, I just kept going. Yeah. It really does take getting brought to your knees and hitting rock bottom. And then the sad thing is you, you and I were talking about this before I hit record. It's not just a one-time thing. Like we have to Mm -hmm. learn this lesson over and over and over again. Yep. I am learning it again this week. And yeah, this, this is the best part about, I think, having the knowledge behind it is that I wouldn't have recognized that it was happening to me again this week, unless I knew how it hit me before I started having reflux again this week. Ah. And I started losing sleep again this week, things that were, are abnormal for me now. And I was like, why, why didn't I sleep last night? Why am I having trouble sleeping? Why am I waking up at 2am? And, and I finally put it together and I was like, oh, I'm getting burned out again. <laughs> yes. And we were also saying that, um, you know, as soon as you feel like you've accomplished or, or beat one thing and you're teaching it to others, then the universe is like, ah, ha, ha, I'm going right. <laughs> to, I'm going to see if you really learned that lesson. So what did you do? I mean, it's so new today's only Saturday, but what have you thought about doing or already implemented to help your burnout this time? So I talked to, I've already talked to one of my supervising physicians, um, to say, I might need to take some time off. Um, and I, I have to talk to my supervisor. Um, and I called our personal assistant service and make, made an appointment because I was like, I just, you know, I need some help. God, good for you. I don't even know. I mean, I, I'm such a pleaser. I would mm -hmm. probably be like, I don't know. I mean, that's going to put more work on everybody else. And but ultimately, if I burn out, then it's going to put a heck of a lot of weight on everybody else because I'm not going to be working at all. So is yeah. that kind of how you were thinking about it? it? I was up from 1 to 4 a.m. this week. Wow. And part of that was how do I ask for time off? Like, how do I put this on somebody else? How do I have somebody yeah. else? You know, like, what could I do? How do I fix it? Like, how could I do it and not take time off? You know, so I was, it, it was just going around and around thinking, I know this is the right thing to do. I know this is what I need, but I feel like I can't ask for it. And I was like, and I literally, I meditated all one morning, just being like, I just need to be courageous enough to ask for it. I need to be courageous enough to ask for myself. And it's, it's still really hard. I haven't actually set the time off. I'm kind of waiting on this one other thing to fall into place. And then I'm, I'm going to ask for time off, but I'm, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. It's really hard. It is. And thanks for sharing that. Cause I feel like so many people think that everybody else has it figured out. And wait, I mean, even when you look like you have it figured out, like you still, it's a struggle. No. Yeah, absolutely. And it was really, really hard for me to reach out to our personal assistance service. Like yeah. I was, I'd been batting around, batting, batting it around for about a few weeks. And I was like, you know, I just need to pull the trigger. I just have to talk to somebody. I have to get like this stuff off my chest. And, um, when I just started losing sleep and things like that, I was like, Nope, this is really, this is it. I got to call somebody. Yeah. Good for you for listening. Cause in hindsight, we'll always say, I knew, I knew, you know, a month earlier that things were heading South, 
Um, but it, then it takes us so much longer to admit it. But hopefully each time it happens, we'll get a little bit better. Our tools will get, we'll be better at using our tools. And, and you're so good right. at giving us tools. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Well, they're all the things that I used, you know, they're all things that I started reading voraciously and all these little things that I picked up in all these different books that helped me, you know, I mean, I mean, falling asleep at night, right. We all have the list, right. That just goes and goes and goes. Mm -hmm. And I remember Brene Brown being like, I did enough today. I was enough today. Whatever I did was what was supposed to get done kind of thing. And that helped me that would help break that cycle and help me get to sleep. Um, And then the universe has my back. That has been like a game changer for me. Just it really feels like, especially, I don't know if you feel this way as a, as a physician assistant, but I really feel like the weight I carry the weight of worlds. Like if it falls from my, whatever, whatever list I have, if it falls off, it's going to fall off forever. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I carry that weight. And when I say the universe has my back, it's like somebody else is going to help me get this done. Right. Somehow, some way that I don't, it's not just on me. Mm -hmm. I can give a little bit of that control up and just say, okay, like deep breath, universe has your back. I like, let's, let's go do this. Yeah. I've used that one since I heard you say it. Um, the universe has my back. And then it also reminds me that I am not in like takes the ego. I'm not in control. Mm -hmm. Hope it does not. It's not in charge of everything and everybody. Right. (laughs) Right. Because I mean, there are things that are completely out of your control and it, And it's funny because I learned this in CT surgery, right? We might do everything perfectly in a surgery. And I mean, patients would pass away or patients would have complications or, you know, and you you just didn't get to choose. You didn't get to choose what the outcome was. It didn't matter how perfect we did things or how well things went or how, you know, you just, and you'd rack your brain over it. And I finally learned like, it's not all under my control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And no matter what job you're in, if you're not even in the medical field, I mean, my husband sees this all the time in his job, his, he'll have his week lined up and then his secretary's kid gets put in the hospital with RSV and he's like, oh my gosh, now I have to do two jobs or, but you can't control everything and you have to learn how to sort of surf with it. And, you know, you're going to have big waves try to knock you down and but it's good to hear that other people have those kind of weeks too. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, your support network, do you have other PAs or, or people you work with who are kind of your support network that y'all can be really honest and real with each other? I do work with a, first of all, a great bunch of APPs, but I, but I'm an N of one and specifically in my practice, like in melanoma surgery, like I'm the only PA, but I have amazing, like in surgical oncology, we have amazing um, APPs and they are great. And whenever you reach out or talk to them, they're awesome. I mean, they just, I mean, I don't think, have you ever met a PA that you really didn't like? I don't, I don't know that I have. No, I haven't. Right. I mean, they're usually just salt of the earth, want to help people, Mm -hmm. ready to listen, ready to lend a hand always. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then your husband, is he in the medical field? No, um, opposites attract. He's a golf pro. Really? (laughs) How interesting. (laughs) I don't know enough about golf to even know what to ask, but. Neither did I when I first met him. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he, um, he's just, it's, it's totally different. But what's interesting is we find um, very similar things to talk about. I mean, he's in a, 
he's in a job shortage also, meaning um, he can't find people to work just like medicine right now. We're having a hard time finding people to work. So he's doing jobs he's never had to do before, right? He was like, I emptied the trash today because it needed to be done and we can't find janitorial services, right? So, you know, I think everybody's being stretched. And so we always can find some common ground. Um, And he always grounds me. I mean, he is, he is my rock. He is just such a wonderful person and human being. When I just listened to your podcast about time and how um, you have to have your core values and you identify Mm -hmm. those and then you look at your kind of do a time audit. I don't know if you use that word, but you do a time audit and look at where you're spending your time Mm -hmm. and you kind of described a typical day that is so familiar to me, you know, just like you get up, you have an hour to get yourself ready, get your kids ready, pack lunches, get out the door. You're kind of road raging it down the road and then you (laughs) get home and you throw the supper in the oven and clean up it. And you just don't have any time. And so you Mm -hmm. tell everybody you made the choice about your schedule. Yeah. My husband has always been an early bird and I never, ever, ever consider myself an early bird. I was the one that was up until midnight would wake up at nine or 10 in the morning on weekends. And we were just missing each other. And after my burnout, I was just, I didn't want to miss him anymore. He is just the, one of the most important people in my life. And so I made the choice to wake up with him at 5am every day. And it sounded completely insane and ludicrous to me when I decided I was like, but I'm going to do it. And the difference for me was instead of waking up and getting out of bed to get in the shower and rush, 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 rush Mm -hmm. to work. I literally am just getting up out of bed to get a cup of coffee. And that is so much easier. I mean, so much easier to just like wander downstairs and like slowly get a cup of coffee and sit on the couch. And I usually, and he's funny. Cause he'll just like sit on his phone for 15 minutes and not mm-hmm. even talk to me. Cause he knows it takes me like, I just need a few sips. <laughs> <laughs> Give me like 15 minutes before I can talk or do anything. Yeah. But, but it changed your whole morning, I guess. Yes. Yeah. It absolutely has. We, you know, we can plan for the day and you know, he'll like be like, what, what's your plan for dinner? Because if I don't have a plan, yeah. then he's like, okay, I can pick up something on the way home. Um, he'll ask me like, what's going on with the kids that day. So like, and just on Friday, this past Friday, there was, um, a bus strike, a bus driver strike. And so we kind of had a plan for the day. I said, you know, I've had, I have our neighbors lined up to take the Mm -hmm. girls if they miss it in the morning. And he was like, okay, well, if they can't get home in the afternoon, he's like, I might be able to get out early. So we do like, you know, the strategic planning of the adult world. Um, and you know, and then sometimes we have really good conversations just because the kids aren't around, right? Like the kids are asleep and it's quiet and we can talk about adult things that we're not getting interrupted. So it's really nice. And you haven't had the stress of the day yet to impact your mood and your perception of, of things, because I know if we try to talk and I'm cooking supper, I'm so snappy Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. Just, you know, (laughs) I get, yeah, because your, your brain can't take Mm -hmm. one more thing. Yeah. Yep. So that is so smart to do it in the mornings and have that time together. What about, I I love you talked about how you're worth it and you have to send your subconscious little signals that you're worth it. And this is one I need to do. You were talking about going through your underwear drawer. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We all have the holy socks and underwear that we need to get rid of because every single time we put on something that is worn out, doesn't uh-huh. fit right. We are telling ourselves we are not worth it. Yes. And 
we are worth it. I mean, it's underwear for crying out loud. We can go down to the store and get some new underwear that doesn't have holes in it Yeah, and can buy some new socks that don't, our heel isn't sticking out or our big toes not sticking out. And that was one of those things that I was like, what am I doing? Like, why, uh-huh. why am I putting up with this? I can go down to Target and get some more socks. Um, and so, yeah, that was a great game changer. Um, and just all the little things that tell you you're worth it, you know, having a little bit of organization around you, or I switched my clothing. I was a big, huge Marshall's TV. TJ this Maxx one fan. hit me because I will buy some cheap clothes from Sheen or, you know, some poor, poor Asian labor working to make this fabric. That's not going to last for more than two washes. And so, yep. yeah. <laughs> and they wouldn't, they wouldn't fit me right. They were, you know, and so then you don't wear them and then they're yep. just hanging there and you're like, and you're spending all this money. I finally just was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to get a, I found like Ann Taylor pants that really fit me well and yeah. were very well made. And I haven't bought pants. I, I mean, gosh, it's been like four or five years. They look brand new. Yeah. I mean, they just, they fit well. They're very nice. They're very tailored. And it's like, yeah, I spent extra money, but I've spent way less money over the years, over these past years that I've been deciding to do this because I'm buying things that are really, really nice and they really fit me well. And I like wearing them and they wear well because they're good, good materials. Yeah. How you do anything is how you do everything. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're probably, if you're buying clothes that aren't going to last, they don't fit you very well, then you may be at the grocery store making choices that, you know, tell your subconscious you're not worth it. You're not buying the food that's going to nourish your body. You're buying the quick, like, I don't have time to cook. I don't have time for myself. Right. And I think this, again, for me, it all comes back to core values. And so all of the choices you make can go along with your core values. And I've used this as an example so many times. So, you know, one of my big core values is obviously family and, and, and if our family is going to have a Sunday night, like we're going to make Sundays, then I'll go to the store and I'll get all the ice cream and, and mm-hmm. like, you know, stuff. But otherwise, if I'm in the store and my core values, like another one is, you know, well-being and it's, and that is, you know, feeling good about my body and having good nutrition in my body. Well, if we're not having a Sunday party, then I'm not buying that stuff. Right. Yeah. So, oh, that's a o- good one. Almost every decision I make can come back to my core values, which I just, I preach those because if you don't have your core values, you don't have a compass, you don't know where yeah. you're going you know, there's no, there's no direction in your life. You don't know what to choose because you don't know what makes you feel good or what, where you want to go. So did you sit down with your husband and come up with core values or how did you, how did Brene you come Brown. up with this? Yeah, I know. I read her, manif- <laughs> her manifesto, but then I was like, oh, I can't come up with a family manifesto. It's too much work. So how did you do it? Tell us the medway. So- <laughs> Literally there is, and, um, I can send you the website, but there, if you go on BreneBrown.com and you go under dare to lead, there is literally a PDF that has ah. like 120 core values on it. Okay. And you sit down with the sheet and you circle all the things that resonate with you. And usually it comes out to about 10 or 15. Okay. And then you take those 10 or 15 and whittle them down to two. Oh my gosh. Yep. And those two encompass the other ones. And so like one of mine is well-being and that mm-hmm. well-being encompasses my family, my nutrition, joy, love, all the, you know, these other okay. things I circled. I gotcha. And then the other one was honesty, which um, incorporated like accountability um, uh-huh. and ethics and other things that are really important to me. 
And so once I did that, and I know those are my two core values, there are often times when I'm like about to do something and I'm like, am I being honest? Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, I'm not being honest. So it's not my core values. You know, and I have to like, like recorrect. And it's interesting because it really, and when I think back through my life, I mean, I I lied a lot in high school. I mean, it was- and I felt no, like I did that. too. I felt like I had to, to, sorry, mom. But how did, <laughs> how did you feel like my stomach? I felt like I had a pit in my stomach all the time. And I know that I, I mean, to my core, I know that honesty is one of my values because if I lie, I just don't feel good. Oh, I like, that is don't so good. Feel good. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if my, that's when my migraines were like starting. That might be my body compass. Yep. Yep. And I, I am amazed at how disconnected we get from our bodies in medicine, right? Because especially in surgery, you, you basically disconnect from your body. You're like, I don't care if I have to pee or I have to go to the vet because I need to be in surgery. So it's been a huge for me to move out of that realm and start listening to my body again, which I think is a huge piece of this. We, I don't think you can live the life that you want without listening to your body. Like if you are totally disconnected from your body, I don't think you'll ever get to where you want to be. I think you're right. Because if you can't feel when your stomach flips or crunches um, to know that that's not the path, or if you can't feel the true joy, like your heart fills with so much joy that it's going to burst that you're on your right path or you're doing something really wonderful. And when you're disconnected from your body, you don't feel those things. You don't, mm-hmm. I never felt the joy, right? I didn't, I also didn't feel the lows, but I didn't feel the joy. It was yeah. totally absent. And so really getting back and connecting with my body has been really important. Gosh, that is so true. Yeah. You're a shell of a person. If you don't connect with your body and with the, what your core being is telling you. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm in a writing group and one of the guys is a beautiful writer. I mean, just puts words together. Like I would put a gourmet meal together and, but I was reading it and he left out the emotional part of it, you know, like how he's, he just describes the scenery and this and that. And, and I was asking him about the emotional part and he's like, you know, that's because I had a really tough emotional childhood. And I, I did, he didn't realize that he had totally left that part out of it. Um, so that's why it's so important to connect with our, our bodies and identify, like you're good about saying, like, what do you feel? Mm -hmm. What do you feel? Where do you feel it? Yeah. And that's one of the things that I've had to ask myself, especially this week. Um, like, what am I feeling like? Cause I didn't, I don't feel my reflux. Like it does, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of these things that I, I have to really think about it to be like, oh yeah, there it is. Like, yeah. It's very subtle, but I was like, you know, I, you have to connect and, you know, those are things that are going to give you a clue to, you know, are are you going down the right path? Are you going Mm -hmm. backwards? Are you stepping backwards? Gosh, that is so true. All right. So then you decided to start a podcast. Were you burned out when you decided to start it or were you past that? And you could kind of look back on it. So past that I could look back on it and I really was I really, for me, knowing what burnout felt like, and I remember people telling me like, you're burned out, or even I would say I'm burned out. And I remember thinking like, 
they keep telling me to do things, mm-hmm. right? They keep telling, and I was like, I don't have time. Like I, 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 I literally was like, I, I didn't feel like I had time to breathe. That's the best way I can say it. I just, mm-hmm. and I was like, they were telling me to do three good things and they were telling me to do these other things. And I was like, I literally fall into bed at night and drag myself out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so it took me just a minute. You know, I, I needed to take, I, I needed to take it in very, very small pieces. I didn't have three minutes. I had a minute, right? Yeah. So that's where I started with this podcast. And I wanted to share that because I felt like medicine right now is going, I mean, I've heard rates as high as 66% of our people in medicine are burned out. And I believe it walking into what I walk into every day. And I was like, if nothing else, if I help like one, two, three people, Mm -hmm. because they feel like I felt and they can just get that little bit better. That's why I started it. Yeah. And y'all Meg does not have, as far as I know, you don't have like a production company. You don't have like assistance, like you, you're just doing it and just you're doing, doing it. it because it's in your heart and you want to help people who are going through the same thing. So yeah. And it's, they're short. They're yes. Helpful. Yeah. They're, so I really try to keep them really short because again, people that are burned out don't have a lot of time. Yeah. So 15 to 20 minutes. And I try to give two to three tips. Um, and it's, it's really heartfelt. I mean, it is from my heart. I mean, just, I walk you through, you know, little uh, glimpses of what I went through and, and how it helped me, how these little tips helped me and how I integrated them in. And, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's really nice. It's really like every once in a while I'll get some feedback from somebody and they're like, man, your words just hit me so hard. It is right. What I, you know, what I was feeling to completely, you, you hit the nail on the head kind of thing. Yeah. And, and we just want to be seen and heard and know that, um, yeah, just to be seen. And I think you, by you sharing your story, it makes other people who are going through it feel seen. Yeah. And I think what I would love to see it turn into for me is somewhere where people are coming together. They can have a good laugh. They can have a good cry. They know that it's the safe place where, you know, they can feel what they're going to feel. There's no judgment. It's just a place for them to go and like take those 15, 20 minutes for themselves and know that they're heard and seen. And then maybe give them something where they can, you know, I want to give them information so that they can not only help themselves, but in everybody helping themselves, we're going to change the culture of medicine. Like if everybody starts talking about the things that we need to start talking about, about burnout, about, you know, shame in medicine and about, you know, you know, being able to take time off without mm-hmm. feeling like guilty about it. If we get these conversations started, then we can change medicine, right? One person at a time. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's the big thing for me is that, you know, a lot of this is systemic and the only way to change it is, you know, one person at a time, all of us speaking up. Yeah, that's so good. And it's good for you for trying. I get so overwhelmed when I think about big picture kind of stuff, but I think you're right. You just have to do what you feel led to do. And then that will have a ripple effect, hopefully on other people. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, this is, this is the, um, the Meg that I'm like, 
I'm like, okay, you got to focus on one thing at a time because <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big picture too, because all I want to do is like get out there with like a picket sign and be like, we're human too. Like- I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. The pandemic has not been easy for so many professions, teachers and healthcare people. And I mean, I think probably every career path has been impacted by it. Yeah. My husband. I mean, he's a golf pro and you'd think right. like, oh, okay. But golf is something everybody can do. He has so burned because I mean, he used to put, I don't know, like a hundred, 125 people through a day. It's 250 a day, every single day now. Wow. Um, and you know, he, he can't find help. So, I mean, people are like, you know, why are my clubs full? Why are you know? And he's like, I'm, I'm doing my best. Like I'm literally oh like gosh. picking up balls, taking out trash. He's like, I'm, I'm doing everything I can, you know? So I think it's affected everybody. I mean, I think everybody, I mean, our, the poor bus drivers. I mean, I had, yeah. I had people in my neighborhood yelling at bus drivers because oh. they missed the, they missed the stop. And I'm like, dude, these bus drivers are doing the best they can. They're doing like three, three routes in the morning, like for the same school of like, if they stop a block oh. away, is it a big deal? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, where do you, if you could go back and tell your, yourself like five years ago, give yourself some advice. Yes. I think the advice that I would give myself is that your job doesn't define you. And I was letting it define me like every Mm. single piece of me. I found that's where my whole sense of person was like, I was a PA, right? Mm -hmm. When you, when you go to a cocktail party, people are like, what do you do? I'm a PA in cardiothoracic surgery, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That's who Um, you are. Right. It's, it's not what defines you. It's not who you are. Right. I'm so many other things that I didn't realize, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a sister. And until I brought more of those into my life, I really was defined by my job. And that's, that's not okay with me. And I don't, I don't know that it's okay for anybody. Yeah. I think taking the furlough helped me detach a little bit from hope the PA. I mean, that used to be my Instagram handle and Mm -hmm. I was like, wait a minute, maybe hope is more than a PA. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. But it is, I think when you strive for so long, right, you go to school and that is, it's like the definition of who you want to be, right? You're like, I'm going to go to PA school, I'm going to PA, and then you become a PA and you're like, yes, I'm a PA, Mm -hmm. but it's not all we are. Right. And you can reinvent yourself too. I mean, aside from your career, like you said, you're a sister, you're a you're now a podcaster. You're a, you know, yeah. lots of things. I went to life coach school. I was like, it's amazing. You know, like the things that you can get done and do and have fun with. I mean, I have met, I mean, like you, I mean, I have met so many people by opening myself up by yeah. not just being a PA, by opening myself up and being more of a person and more, you know, I don't know. It's been great. It's been such a great thing. Yeah. And then I think as an example to our kids, um, they'll probably be multi-passionate with all the stuff I've thrown at them. But my daughter's like, I want to be a real estate agent and a veterinarian. And I would like to sell, you know, pumpkins on the side of the road and (laughs) just so many different things. Yeah. (laughs) They can, they don't have to, you know, it was great. I, I heard, um, somebody was saying about a slash career and it was, it was that a lot of times people aren't just one dimensional. Um, for example, like this one guy really likes, um, orderly things. And so I think he was like a CPA, Uh like three or four days a week, 
But then after that, he was like, I really need to get some creative energy out. And I think he was like a violin. He made violins or something like that. So it was interesting, but like he put both of those together because it, it balanced who he was and what he needed. And I think, again, we are one dimensional, you know, beings where we've got multi dimensions. And so we, I think we do need to look at our, you know, jobs or how we would make money differently. I think we can do things, a lot of different things. And then be better at our other job, you know, or other slash or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we, we need to rethink how exactly like what full-time is and what, what we want. Yes. Oh, I see a book coming <laughs> <laughs> slash career. Love it. Anything else, Meg, anything you want to share with our listeners? Oh gosh. Um, so many things, but I mean, if you, if you really feel burnt out. Like if you're a self-identifying, like I am burnt out, reach out, like reach out to somebody. Um, just, just know that there's so many resources for you and that, Mm -hmm. that there is something better on the other side and don't be scared to, to stop, just stop, just Mm -hmm. take time, stop and just take time for you. Take time to heal. Um, we, we, we just have to do it um, there's just no other way around it. Cause, cause it will affect, it will eventually affect your health if you keep yeah. going. And you literally only get this body. You only get this life. And if you're burned out, you, it's not sustainable. You're going to crash and burn mm-hmm. and it's going to be really bad. So, and I, th- I don't, I, I mean, I, th- I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, maybe I'll get sick, but sometimes it's not. I mean, I had one a woman that I know and she got into a terrible car accident and I really yeah. think it was burnout. And, um, you know, because when you're burned out, you, you're not paying attention. You might think you're paying attention, but you're not, right. um, your brain, your brain just doesn't ha- it's totally in a fog and, you know, it, it can, I mean, it can just really stop you in your tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really worry, you know, I worry, um, about, about people that I see that are burned out, you know, you know, you just want everybody to, to be safe and be healthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story and just being open and honest about being burned out and not being perfect. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. And by and by far, (laughs) far from it, (laughs) but thank you for letting me share. And I'll link Meg's podcast and her social media handles too, in the show notes. Well, thank you. Thank You're you. The best All right. I've got the take home points. Wasn't that awesome, y'all? I love Meg's honesty. And also, don't forget to send me questions for next week's episode for the Q&A session. And really, you can ask me anything. Ask who our marriage counselor is. Ask, I don't know, ask whatever. All right. Thanks again, Meg. Here are the take home points. Number one, burnout usually isn't a one-time thing. It happens over and over and over again. Be on the lookout for signs, losing sleep, waking at 2 a.m., reflux or other physical problems, being unusually forgetful or distracted. Remember, someone can appear to have it all figured out, but they can still be burned out. These are tips. Meg uses Brene Brown's suggestion before falling asleep at night by reminding herself, I am enough. What I did today is enough. Number three, remind yourself constantly, the universe has my back. This helps you not feel like you have to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders and reminds you, you don't get to choose the outcome in life and it's not all under your control. Or you could say God has my back, whatever, um, 
resonates with you. Number four, make the choice to match your schedule to your intentions. In other words, how you're spending your time should match your intentions. Your intentions should be based on your core values. And I've linked the Brene Brown exercise that Meg used. Core values are like your compass. They determine where you go in life. Number five, your job does not define you. If every piece of you is defined by your job, then you're going to burn out. Bring all those other pieces back into who you are. Look at who you are outside of work. We're not one-dimensional beings. You can have a slash career. This gives us more balance and we'll be better at our jobs. And lastly, if you're self-identifying as burned out, there's help. There's something better out there. Take time. Stop. Take time to heal. Because if you don't, it'll eventually affect your health if you don't get help. So reach out to me. Reach out to Meg. Meg, you can find her on Instagram at MegLetty923. You can listen to her podcast, Burnout, What I Have Learned So Far with Meg Letty. And it really is full of little pearls of wisdom just like this that she shared today. All right. Thanks, y'all. Wait, before you turn off the podcast, I had one other thing I wanted to say. If you've been thinking about next year and how you would like for next year to be different than this year, then maybe coaching is for you. I would love to sit down with you and do a complimentary discovery call. We'll talk about whether we would be a good fit together and what your goals are for next year and what's holding you back. Because obviously something is holding you back or you'd be where you wanted to be, right? All right, so look at this as your sign. Email me, hope.cook at gmail.com or Instagram message me at Coach Hope Cook. And I look forward to hearing from y'all.